Okay, so if you're with me or wandering in here, turn with your Bibles over to uh, Colossians, if you will. Maybe they can just throw it up on the great big Bible on the, screen, on the wall there. Uh, and we're going to kind of pick up, I'm trusting all of you were with us on Sunday. Uh, I didn't, I'm very constrained by time now on Sundays to try and keep it uh, so we can kind of get at our lives. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of cover a few things that were on, sort of on the list for Sunday. So if you have not seen Sunday, I apologize for that or weren't here for that. Uh, but we're talking about toxic thoughts and dealing with the, an understanding of how to deal with these things called toxic thoughts. And kind of what we covered on Sunday was everybody has toxic thoughts. That's a normal part of living. And what we kind of discovered was, you know, by living out of either side of our being. One, if you remember the door that we had going on Sunday, if you imagine this side of the, of the door is all the natural realm that we live in. Uh, and part of our soul interprets all of the inputs that come through the natural, the five natural senses that we have on this side of our lives. And we were created as human beings to also have a, an alternative side to our lives, which was here, the spirit realm. Um, and all of us have that as human beings. But, uh, you know, we spent a long time after we sinned and disconnected from that whole realm we kind of lived our whole lives on this side of the world and our soul kind of got used to only understanding things from this side, which are really only the facts, things that we can see and feel and touch that are, that are part of our natural lives. And then when we come back to Jesus and we kind of have this whole side of our lives opened up and we can begin to sense things in our spiritual being, now what we have to do is kind of figure that all out because we've really lived so much of our lives just sort of being on this side and doing things this way, understanding things this way. Our worldview is all, you know, if I can see it, feel it, touch it, then it's real. Everything else is not real. And we really, and we have to contend with that, okay? And so we're going to kind of pick up with that today when we kind of talk a little bit about more of an understanding of this invisible realm that the Bible talks about. So if you're in Colossians there, maybe you guys put it up on the screen, it, it says there, for by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Uh, this is verse uh, 16, I'm sorry. And so it, what it talks about there is that there are created things, but those created things from our human perspective are invisible. Right? It's talking about all of this thing that God has created, and he's created part of it to be invisible. And so we kind of are needing to deal with that because uh, you know, a lot of the things that we are trying to get a hold of in order to deal with all of our toxic thoughts, those things are actually invisible. And the, the real uh, journey that we have as New Testament believers is to somehow get to the place where the things that are invisible become more real to us than the things that are real. <clears throat> so if I have, you know, if I have a, a, a financial need that's in my life and that's because my cell phone bill is $200 and my bank account only has $100 in it, that's the facts. And I can have a lot of toxic thoughts going on inside of my mind because I don't have the resources. Or you have a physical thing that's going on in your body and the doctor says, I, I, we, we don't know how to do any, we can't fix this. 
And so you have something where there is a lack or a deficiency that you're experiencing because of some fact on an MRI somewhere or whatever, but you know that the truth is something very different. And then how do I get more confidence in the truth or what, what is on the unseen realm so that the thoughts that I have or the way my soul measures up this situation is I'm actually more confident in the invisible than I am in the visible. But that's a very difficult thing for us to do as human beings, especially when we've lived sort of like, you know, from seven until whenever you got saved or even whenever before you came to church last Sunday to really understand this is what saved even means. Um, and so we haven't really dealt with how hard am I working at understanding that the invisible things are actually more real than the visible things. Is that even that important? Is it even something that, you know, it's kind of a fun topic to chat about, but how important is that skill, the ability to be able to differentiate like that? How important is that skill in my overall life? And so we're gonna take a look at a couple other scriptures before we get started today. Um, <clears throat> if you turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews 11, um, we visit with a whole bunch of people, as you remember there. It's kind of the scripture that says, you know, by faith this, by faith that, by faith this, by, by faith that. So it's kind of like a, a, almost a photo album of God's people who have, you know, done this thing of seeing the impossible. And in, if you flip in there to verse 27, I'm going to start with verse 24, but we're talking about this, this fellow Moses. May, many of you may have heard of that guy. And it says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of, the reproach of Christ greater, a greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of his reward or the day of his reward or the revealing of his reward. And by faith, listen to this one now, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so imagine now, because Moses was not some superhuman, Moses was just like you or I. He had, imagine now, he had options. At any moment, you know, Pharaoh, if you've seen the movie with Charlton Heston, I don't know if it's an actual, actual, actual uh, act, uh, accurate account, but it's a, probably a pretty big deal that Moses was, you know, doing things that were making Pharaoh mad. And that's not an awesome thing to do. Inside of Pharaoh, Moses's mind, he was making a rational decision. He was saying, I have to choose between what I know about what God has told me and standing for what God has said to me, or I need to be, be ready for the wrath of Pharaoh. That's a similar decision that each one of us make. Pharaoh was right in front of him. Pharaoh's armies, the guy with the whips and the chains were right behind Pharaoh. That was something he could touch and feel. He could look at it, right? They were probably yelling at him and doing all kinds of nasty things to him, just like the stuff that we deal with in our lives. But what it's saying that Moses did was he instead chose to, to lift up this invisible thing 
that he had got in his heart from God, seeing God, listening to what God was going to do and, you know, kind of, you know, go there and get my people out and these kind of things that God had told him to do. And he chose to take hold of something that was invisible and make it more real to him than something that was visible. And then we take a look in, uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, again, verse 19, it talks about this guy, Abraham, and Abraham kind of did the same thing. Listen to the account there in, in, in uh, verse 19. Uh, uh, let's go to, just go to 20. For the invisible things, oh, excuse me, one more over. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises, that's Abraham, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called. So God had promised Abraham that his seed was for you know, generations. I'll make you the father of a multitude. All of these promises that God made to him, those promises were going to come through Isaac, his son. Now listen here, Accounted, counting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he, Abraham, received him, Isaac, in a figure. What, what, what exactly is that? So he's rec- uh, here, the writer of Hebrews is recounting this situation from back in Genesis when God asked Abraham now that he had his, uh, his miracle son, he asked him to take his miracle son up on the mountain and kill him. How was Abraham supposed to be able to do that? Obviously, you can see there's an opportunity for a few toxic thoughts here. There's the opportunity to think about, what am I going to say to Sarah? Right? What's going to happen with my seed, my promised seed? He had the opportunity here to be able to let his soul go to all the natural things that we would go to if somebody told me that I needed to kill Pastor Alex. Now, I I feel like that sometimes, but (laughs) I mean, in real life, if somebody told me I had to do that, you know, there would be a few toxic thoughts attached to that and some very significant ones. But we recognize here that what God is talking about is that he, it's, the way the Bible calls it, kind of a little bible talk here, it says Abraham received Isaac back in a figure. And that word fi- uh, figure is the word parabole, which we get the word parable from. And what the, what the imagery here is, is we would use the word figuratively. In our mind, like if I said something to, you know, I was, I was out flying yesterday, you can probably get some ideas of what I was probably doing, but it's in your mind. It's figurative. It's not literal necessarily that I was out there flying, <laughs> right? You've got a figurative way of understanding that in your mind. That's what they were talking about, that Abraham in his mind or in his imagination he was able to say, well, wait a minute. The promise of God was that I'm going to be the father of a multitude and that Isaac was going to be the seed through which that multitude was going to come to pass. Therefore, even if I slit the guy right down the middle and burn him to, into smoke, God is going to be able to bring him back to life. 
Now that seems like a completely ridiculous thing going on inside of your soul right now. Could I actually have the confidence that that would happen? But what the Bible is telling us is that was the confidence. It was demonstrated, Abraham's confidence, Moses' confidence in the invisible was so high that it overcame all of the other potential negative thoughts or toxic thoughts that were associated with what God was asking them to do. Or just life in general, the things that it goes on and on, the, the, the chapter is all full of people who are doing this kind of thing. But it gave us the imagery to understand there is something very significant about a New Testament believer's ability to see the natural realm full of facts, but also to see the spiritual <laughs> realm full of truth. The invisible realm that is over here, that I only have it because I'm perceiving it somehow in my spirit, <coughs> that that's actually real. In fact, more real than the natural things that I'm observing, concrete, hard and fast things that I'm observing on this time, on this side. <clears throat> Receiving the promises of God, which are, let's not, let's not say it like, I don't want to lose you here thinking that you've, that, you know, you've heard all this before. What we're doing is we're taking a natural situation that we're experiencing in our finite world. And there's a problem to it. Typically, the problem is there's something finite about it. The finite finances, finite health, there's finite relationships, there's finite days in my life, everything's finite. And something toxic is coming because of the finiteness, because of the limitation, because of the limits that I'm experiencing somewhere in my life. Matter of fact, I would get completely rid of the toxic thought if my toxic thought, let's say, let's take, let's take an example. If my toxic thought right now is, is, oh, I'm starving. I don't have any food. And all of a sudden I see you come in with a bag of chips, you know, the, you know, the crinkle cuts with the, you know, salt. All of a sudden, and you were my friend and you were coming at me so I know I could have ha at least half the bag, depending on how fast we can eat. <laughs> all of a sudden, that toxic thought would go away. Why did it go away? The toxic thought would go away because I can see the answer. And I'm pretty confident that half that bag of chips is going to be mine. And all of a sudden, like it's a miracle, the toxic thought goes away. So we're going to wonder, was Moses experiencing toxic thoughts? Was Abraham actually experiencing toxic thought? Was he kind of wandering all the way up the mountain? You know, what am I going to say to Sarah? Oh, no. Or was he so confident in what was the, what was the unseen, the answer, the, the resolution to the problem, he became so confident in the resolution that it just never dawned on him that I, would, I don't have to say anything to Sarah, I'm bringing the boy back. And when we realize that that's the answer to toxic thoughts. Toxic thoughts are not to be denied or ignored or, you know, taken care of with some fancy pharmaceuticals. What you need to do is we need to figure out how the heck do we even have toxic thoughts and then deal with the answer to those thoughts. Yeah. That word figuratively now is the word parable. 
Most of the other times in the Bible, it, as a matter of fact, talks about Jesus this way. It says that when Jesus was speaking to us, he almost always spoke in parables. He spoke in, in, in imaginary stories and those type of things, which we had to listen to. Like if I told you that, you know, I was out riding an elephant yesterday, a very big elephant. It's kind of wider on the back than it is on the front. And I had this fancy cowboy hat. You didn't just see words going through your mind. You actually saw me in your mind riding an elephant with a cowboy hat on. You see, what Jesus was talking about, the reason he always spoke in parables was because he had to get your imagination moving. He had to get you to realize that what's going on inside of your imagination is not only as important, but it is more important than what you are experiencing in your natural life. And so that word is kind of like a, a you know, where we use a story and a real situation, and we lay them beside each other in order so that we could compare the two of them. Do you understand? That's what the, it's kind of like a the, the kind of fancy word is juxtaposition, where we put two things and we put them and we sort of look at either one of them and see what would the difference be from the story, the parable, to my natural life. I'm kind of look, being able to look at them side by side. And Jesus always did that when he was telling stories. The stories weren't about the stories. It wasn't actually about a guy who had a farmer's field and sold some things and some weeds. And that. He wasn't talking about that. He was laying that story figuratively beside our lives so that we could see how something actually worked. And what we're doing then is we are learning to pay a lot more attention to what is going on in our imagination. And then even when Jesus dealt with Mark chapter four, this foundational teaching that he gave us that was about getting the seeds of the word of God into our heart. We, most of us have kind of studied through that. He's telling us a story. He's giving us imagery. He's giving us things to imagine so that those things can become real to us. It's not just, you know, a seed and a tomato, and if you want to grow tomatoes, then you need Mark 4. Well, you probably do, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about something that was in the imaginary world. How do I get a word to get a, an understanding of a truth to get all the way inside of my heart? Can I tell you the kingdom that Jesus came to bring us the kingdom? He came to reveal to us an understanding of the kingdom. The kingdom is an understanding of this infinite world. It is that we have opened up now this whole new way of living, this whole new way of understanding the world. And as we begin to understand that, the kingdom, the understanding of how the kingdom work, that worked, the, the way Jesus did the things that Jesus did was all because he was able to see something in the invisible world or in the imaginary world and bring it over into the natural realm where people could experience it. Yes. Actually, uh, you know, a real sandwich that they were really going to eat that didn't exist in the seen realm only a moment ago. He was able to bring it from one side to the other. When he talks about it like the kingdom has come, or the kingdom is near, or the kingdom is within you, He's all referring to this reality that now we have this ability on the inside of us 
to take hold of an entire world and treat it in a very specific way that we are able to grab something over here and bring it over here. The same way Abraham received Isaac, we receive the promises from the eternal realm, from the infinite realm. It's through our imagination. And so when we are, we are treating what is in our imagination as though it is more real than the things that we see. Like, for example, if I'm going to go over here, I'm, I used my example of being hungry before. Now, if I go over here and I find somewhere in the spiritual realm and I, I want to get some bananas and I want to get some apples and I want to get no lemons, no limes and, a, and an orange. Now, these are all over. You all know this stuff exists in, in abundance over in the spiritual realm. How do I get this to come all the way over here so that you could actually eat it? Or another example of it would be if I'm looking for some kind of an asset, some kind of a, you know, I'm looking for a new car. Well, new cars exist over here in abundance. There's, there's lots full of them over here. But how do I get it to come from all the way over here until it's actually something that exists here that I'm able to use in order to fulfill the destiny that God's given me? Or if I'm needing something in the area of health, not to say that Barbie would be the picture of health, but let's say... I need something in the perfect body situation and I need to bring that over here. This is what the imagery of what, G, what Jesus was doing that he was telling us to do was just to reach across and grab something just like Abraham did, just like Moses did by using or by treating what is in their imagination, something that they could very well have been accused of just making up. But they were so confident in it that they were able to bring it from one side to the other. Not only were they able to do that, but just that, that sense of confidence that they felt was able to defeat or even nullify any toxic thoughts that they might have had in regards to those things. Oh, I don't have a car. Oh. No, you do. You have as many as you like. All you have to do is understand how to reach across and bring it into this natural realm. So we can look at some of these things. If you want to find the, the antidote to how to get that confidence, in Romans chapter 4, it says this, and I'm just going to skip down. In verse 17, it's talking about this fellow Abraham, and it gives us an idea. What the heck was going on inside of his soul? Because that seems like almost a virtual impossibility that somebody could be the guy who takes his son up the mountain, is going to cut the guy in half, burn him on, a, on an altar, and be okay with the fact that he's going to walk back down the mountain. You have to be clinically insane to think that. But somehow, Abraham was able to do that. How did he do it? And it talks about here... Hoping against hope. What that means is that we have a natural understanding of what is about to happen. And so my natural understanding, I haven't eaten in three months and I'm starving to death. My natural understanding is I'm going to die. Because I don't want to die, it's causing me a little bit of angst. Because my natural expectation is that's how it's going to turn out. Now, what I have to do if I do what Abraham did was I have to reach through now 
in my imagination, in the, in the imagery that is in my mind, recognizing that there is food aplenty in the spiritual realm, this infinite abundant realm that God created, part of the invisible realm, there's all kinds of stuff in there. All I have to do is have confidence in the fact that that is going to be poured out right in front of me where I'm going to be able to eat it. Even if that's fake and I made it up, I still will feel better. And if you came and told it to me, to agree with me, yes, that's going to what's going to happen is, is there's going to be a grocery store coming, coming around the corner any minute now. I'll even feel better. Now, there, you may be lying to me. I'll still feel better. I'm over, able to overcome the toxic thoughts when I have confidence in something else. When I hope, I'm actually going to really expect that something different is going to happen. And then it tells us how uh, Abraham was able to go through that process in his soul. Number one, it says he considered not the natural limitations. He was an old man at this time. His wife was old at this time, beyond the time of having children. And he said, forget about that. We're not going to worry about that. And he was able to say, that hasn't got anything to do with this equation. All that matters is not how old I am. It doesn't matter how old Sarah is. It doesn't matter whether we've had, had children so far. What matters is that God said, right. we're going to have kids. And so it didn't matter. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, you have to be able to understand that the spiritual world, this infinite world that is over here, has absolute dominion over this world. This world doesn't matter. Everybody knows that the smaller quantity is the subset of the larger quantity. You learned that, I think, in grade five math. So we know that the natural finite world has got to be the slave of the infinite world. It can't operate the other way around. You can't get infinity out of finite. So it has to operate this way. And so what we're doing is, what they realized was, it doesn't matter what kind of limitations you find over on this side. What matters is how abundant that side is. And does that side have what I need on this side? Does the abundance of that side would it fill up my need that I'm experiencing on this side? Then it says that he staggered not at the promises of God. The promises being extraordinary, abundant, like over the top. What you have to understand is that world is not like our world. Our world is a world of finite. It's limited. Everything about life on this side is limited. There is a set amount of everything. On that side, there is no limitation. Everything, I remember, I, I think I've talked to you about this, guys before about this. One of my favorite scriptures in Luke chapter 15, at the, the, after the end of the prodigal son, where God comes to the, the father, rather, comes to the older son, and he says, what are you mad about? Beloved, I am with you always, and all that I have is yours. But you know that's written in the Bible, right? So it's like, it's written in your Bible too. So it's like, it's saying all that I have is yours and yours and yours and yours. And how can all that he has be yours and yours and yours and yours? I can't give everything away to everybody. Unless, unless this realm is, is infinite. 
that you can take $100 out of this realm and bring it to this side, and there's still just as much infinite amount on this side as there was before. That's what it means to not stagger. Like God is saying that he will do anything for you. God, Jesus, God put Jesus on the cross. What won't he do for you, the Bible says? Is there anything that you could ever imagine that God would not do for you? If he would put Jesus on the cross, isn't that kind of him saying, yeah, everything else would be below that, right? That's talking about how can it be that way? Your mind is so stuck over in the limited side of the world. We spent so much time here. There's no way that God could let me have $100. Oh, certainly, he couldn't have $1,000. I mean, he couldn't have a million. That could, no way. No, it don't matter. Because this side of the equation is completely unlimited. It's infinite. And God has said, you can have as much of it as you want. And our minds go, yeah, that can't be true. <clears throat> because our natural experience it's not like that. And finally, it says, it says to become fully persuaded. So this is like stuff going on in his imagination. It's kind of taking the world from a, a, a whim. Oh, that would be nice. To a wish. Oh, really? To a way of life. Where it's like, this is how we live. I just said, Jesus was always accessing this unlimited realm and bringing it into the, into the limited realm, filling up people's lives with health, filling them up with sandwiches, filling them up with gold, filling them up with whatever they needed, all of it being accessed from over here and brought to over this side. It's, it's where Isaac came from as a baby. It's the process he's describing to us in the beginning of the book of Romans. This is where Isaac's baby came from, the, the miracle baby that started the, the, the Israel nation out of which Jesus came. And then by extension, all of the, all the Christians all around the world all came out of this miracle that Abraham was able to access because of this ability to pull something from one side to the other. See, the problem is we, have, we all have hijacked imaginations. We only have the power, we, we seemingly only have the power to really confidently imagine something that we already know exists. It's like watching a child when you give them $10. Their imagination explodes. Because they think, with $10, surely I can buy the whole Toys R Us store. And all of a sudden, their imagination just blooms because they can see that something is now here. The key of it is how do you see things before they get here? How do you have confidence for those things? In Genesis chapter 6, one of the worst scriptures of the Bible, right before God flooded the earth, he said, it's, it, it's, it, we can't go any further. We've got to start all over again here. The reason that God did that, he said, because the imaginations in the hearts of men were only evil continually. If you read that whole scripture, it says, that man was doing wick all wickedness because his imaginations were only evil continually. What does that really mean? It means that their imaginations had lost contact with the, 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 the infinite world. 
They could only see the finite world. And you know what you do in your imagination when you can only see the finite world? Is you imagine how to get yourself a bigger piece of the pie. How do I get it from you so that I get more? Instead of realizing we have the infinite world, that we can make the pie bigger. Now I no longer have to compete with you for a, for a bigger piece of the pie. If I would like more, that's okay. I know how to go get more. That might seem insignificant, but literally you can take it ever, all the evils of mankind and you can zero them down to the fact that we all perceive the world to be a limited supply. We're fighting over a bigger piece. We're manipulating the world to get a bigger piece. We're standing on other people's necks in order to get a little bit higher. We're doing all of that because our imaginations have been hijacked. We have to be able to break free from those, this natural world imagine that this is all there is imagination or that there is this amazing world over here and one day when I get to heaven uh, no 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 Jesus demonstrated how we can come over here grab hold of something over here and release it in infinite in its infinite nature over on this side of the world God knew at that time there was no hope for the world because if there was a little bit of hope God would have had it he knew there was no hope because the imaginations had become stuck. They could not find their way out of this, in these, this finite world imagination. Then Jesus shows up on the scene. We talked about this on Sunday, that what he did is he opened up our ability to perceive the word of God. And the word of God is the map. Yeah. It's the grocery list. It's the inventory list. Yep. It's the menu of everything that's available over here. Yes. Not just in a way that we would turn it into a religion, but in a way that we could understand. Now, wait a minute. He's not talking about some sweet by and by. He's showing us in the demonstration of his own life yes. that what he's doing is he's grabbing stuff by the bucket load and pouring it out Man. on this side of the world. Yeah. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to begin to understand how to get that going on inside of you. Yes. You experience yes. a negative thing in your life right now. You experience toxic things going on, all being pushed into your soul by this finite world and the limitation of all the things that your destiny is calling you to, to catapult yourself over. How am I ever going to get this done? How am I ever going to live the life that I know on the inside of me I'm supposed to be living? And instead of going the world's way and learning how to compete better, learning how to steal and how to cheat and how to manipulate, that's not how God intended it to be. God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine your world on the inside of you. Take a moment, slow it all down and say, wait a minute. All I need to do is have more confidence in the abundant supply of something than I have in the limited supply of it that I see on this side. I'm not scared of how short my life is gonna be. I'm not scared of how few dollars are in my bank account. I'm not scared of what something's going wrong in my body right now. There's nothing, there's nothing to worry about there. All I need to do is get, somehow get my confidence. Consider not limit, natural limitations, stagger not at the promises of God. 
Keep going at it, calling those things, the Bible says, that be not as though they already are. You know, I have, uh, as many of you know, uh, Mitch and Katie are coming in a few weeks. I want to show, I want to show you something. They called me to the, the other day and they said, do you have a room? I said, no, I, I don't have a room, but I have a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper is a confirmation number. How many of you know this is a room? How many of you are confident in that? I am. I'm having them come all the way here. Not sleeping on my front yard. All I have is a piece of paper that tells me I have a room. Isn't that what I have? So do you have healing? Well, you have the same kind of healing as I have a room. Do you have abundance in your life? Well, you have the same kind of abundance and I have a room. What is going on here? I'm just confident that this piece of paper means I have a room. Isn't that what I'm confident in? These six numbers right here, the confirmation number, are proof to me that I have a room. It's just a bunch of numbers. Do you see the problem? All I have done is learned to have confidence in six little digits on a piece of paper. If you go to the airport, they don't give you real tickets anymore. They give you a a little code. And supposedly, there's an airplane seat that you own. All you have is confidence. The reason you feel totally okay about that is because you have confidence that that little code means something. Does that make sense? All that's going on is that we have to learn. Some of we have to learn this. This, God did not, this was not here in the Genesis chapter one, was not confirmation codes. We had to learn that system. And we got confident in it. And now, oh my gosh, did I get a hotel room? I'm freaking out right now. Get get the confirmation number. All of a sudden, you know what happens to all that freak out? It gone. Because I am confident in what this means. All I need to start doing is getting to the place where I am fully persuaded that what's going on on the spirit. Matter of fact, what brings stuff from this side to this side is fully persuaded. It wasn't, well, fully persuaded as it would be demonstrated by calling those things that be not as though they already are. So so fully, I can tell what I'm not fully persuaded because I don't say stuff unless I mean it. And so I'm not really good at going, hey, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Matter of fact, it's making me more scared because I'm not really fully persuaded, reminding me of the fact that I'm not healed. But when you wait for a second and say, you know what, I am. That is absolutely what is going on right now. That's how Jesus did it. Obviously, this whole realm is over here waiting with supply of everything that I would need in overwhelming abundance. Now I realize that. Well, God said it. Well, he wouldn't lie. And I'm getting myself to realize, are you kidding me here? Yes. I am fully persuaded that that thing is waiting for me. All I need to do is fully persuade that thing right through here. And literally, you have increased the size of the pie. Because you have brought something from the infinite realm into the finite realm. And even before it arrives, I have another one here. Look, sure I, you do. I have, I have, I have, you know what this is? Yes. 
That's my boat. Amen. I'll take that one. That's why it's there, because yes. it's my boat. Now, can you go ride on it yet? No. Because mm -hmm. it's presently owned by somebody else. <laughs> Temporarily. But that's my boat. Mm -hmm. Same way as I have a hotel room. Does that make some sense? Now, just, now it's, it sounds kooky, and it sounds like I've lost my marbles. But can I tell you something? I need some glasses here, so I can tell you what this is. This is a receipt. When I was away a couple of weeks ago, I really like a pair of glasses. I, I use reading glasses. And so I really liked, I was looking on uh, eBay, and I found a pair of reading glasses that I liked. And so I ordered them. They were in China a few weeks ago. Uh, this, is some, this is a piece of paper. Well, how many of you know this is a pair of reading glasses? This is my proof. I have them. Well, I don't actually have them yet. Um, I guess I have them shipped to Mike's office, which is in the States. I don't get there very much anymore. So they're sitting on the counter in Mike's office right now. So I don't fix it. But how many of you know I have them? Well, I don't really have them, but I have them. Do you understand what I'm telling you? You see, the confidence that I get that I have this new pair of reading glasses, I have this right here. It says, coming from China. So somebody on the other side of the world these glasses started out a few weeks ago as far away from me as they possibly could be and still be on this planet. And slowly but surely, you might even have dropped them off, Micah. The, they're making their way through all the journey and that little packet is going to finally be and you'll see me a couple of days with my cool little new reading glasses on. But can I tell you, I got them a few weeks ago. You understand? You have, how much confidence do I have? I know I, I, I stopped where I was thinking about it. Should I get them? You know, $7, you know, I'm really investing heavily in my <laughs> reading glasses here. So I'm thinking about it. Do I want them? I already have four pairs. How do I explain to Tina that I bought another pair of glasses, you know? You know, I don't have that feeling anymore. There is no toxic thoughts related to my new reading glasses because I know I have them. I am completely, fully persuaded. I try them on in my mind. They look awesome. <laughs> That's what fully persuaded feels like. Fully persuaded actually feels like something. It is the embodiment of the release of any toxic thoughts that would be related to not having it. Any toxic thought that's related to not having health is removed when you have health. Any toxic thought to do with your finances is removed when you know you have finances. Do you think Bruce Wayne worries about how much money is in his pocket? Does it, you think he would? I don't, th I don't even know if the bat suit has pockets. Do you think that Wolverine worries about a paper cut? They don't, right? There's no toxic thoughts in the Wolverine when he gets a paper cut. Why? Because he has infinite health and healing going on in his X-Men body. So he just doesn't think about those things. You could be shooting, remember the movie, you've seen the movies, people are shooting at him and he's having bullets hit him. He's not worried about it because he knows he's going to pop the bullets back out in a second. Bruce Wayne is not worried about how much money he has in his wallet right now because he knows he has an infinite supply somewhere else. How we deal with toxic thoughts is to know that we have an infinite supply somewhere else. All you have to do 
to get rid of toxic thoughts is learn how to see the invisible. You just have to learn how to see the invisible. Mm -hmm. Put your hand over your heart. Say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I want to know. I want to know. How to see the invisible. How to see the invisible. How to make the invisible. How to make the invisible. More real. More real. Than the visible. Than the visible. How to make the infinite. How to make the infinite. More real. More real. Than the finite. Than the finite. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. That I might see. That I might see. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him, but been far from him. We wanna give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day and help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.